0: You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. As we continue our journey through the Gospel of John, we are finding ourselves at that place where we are intersecting between the most terrific person in the history of the world, Jesus Christ, and the most tragic person in the history of the world. Judas Iscariot. Consider this. Imagine you know you only have a week to live. And imagine you're not sick, you're healthy, you're well. And the reason you're going to die is because a pretend friend of yours, a betrayer, has for a few years now been plotting against you. They have a plot to murder you and you're coming face to face with this person uh, at the final days of your life. This is someone you have loved, someone you have served, someone you have been generous and kind toward, and this is someone who towards you has been a pretend friend. Some of you know the pain of betrayal. Some of you have had it in your marriages. In your friendships, with your parents, with your children, with your co workers. And in John chapter 13, I want you to see exactly what the Bible means when it says that Jesus loves us. Here's how chapter 13 begins it was just before the Passover festivals. Now, this is a holiday season. For you and me, when the holidays come, it's usually a joyous occasion. We think of it in those terms. I mean, we get time off work. Thank Christmas, Easter, it's a joyful time. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father, having loved his own. So now this is the last week of Jesus' life. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now Judas at this point has already made a pact with Satan to betray Jesus. The price will fulfill the Old Testament prophecy from the book of Zechariah, 30 pieces of silver, which is the equivalent of a few hundred bucks. And I think each one of us needs to ask ourselves for what would I exchange my relationship with Jesus? Sex, money, fame, power, glory. For Judas, it was a few hundred dollars. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under His power, that He had come from God and was returning to God. So He got up from the meal, took off His outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around His waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. First, let's talk a little bit about Judas and Jesus. Judas appears some 20 times in the New Testament. And almost every time, it's in conjunction with the other disciples, there's a list. Judas is always mentioned last in the list. And sometimes when he's mentioned... It's as Judas, the one who will betray Jesus. Question. Is Jesus a good friend to Judas? Yes. Did Jesus serve Judas? Yes. Does Jesus love Judas? Yes. Does He feed Judas? Yes. Was Judas there when Jesus preached his sermons? Was Judas there when Jesus performed his miracles? Yes, yes, Judas Iscariot had a front row seat to the person, work, and words of Jesus. Some of you here today might say, I don't love Jesus, I don't follow Jesus, I don't believe in Jesus, but if I could meet him, if I could hear him, if I could watch him work then I would. But if you have a hard heart, no, you would not. No one had a better seat to learn who Jesus is and see what Jesus does than Judas. He ultimately is going to betray Jesus with a kiss. And then he's going to hand him over to be executed. And then Judas is going to go hang himself and not give Jesus a chance to forgive him. When someone dies, we usually say, well, they went to a better place. Not everyone does. You see, heaven is not just a place. It's a person. His name is Jesus. And if you don't love him, you're not going to be in the same place with him forever. Look, Jesus speaks of hell more than anyone else in the Bible. You need to know this. And for those who love Jesus, this life is as close to hell as you will ever be. For those who don't know Jesus, this life is as close to heaven as you will ever be. Judas gives us this negative example in this horrific story. And we can look at it in one of two ways, either with a religious eye or with a redemption eye, an eye toward Repentance. If we look at this from a strictly religious perspective, we'd say, What a horrible man Judas is. Thank God I'm not like him. Or we can look at it from a repentance perspective and say, God, I'm prone to follow his example. Save me from myself. Jesus not only saves from hell, he saves us from ourselves. He saves us from ourselves, and Judas is unwilling to be saved. So let's talk about four lessons that we learn from Judas. Number one, sitting under good Bible teaching is not enough. You have to believe it. Judas Iscariot, for three years, went to the University of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Every class he took was taught by Jesus Christ. Every lesson he learned was from the lips of Jesus Christ, and he didn't believe any of it. Let me remind you what Jesus' brother James said. Do not merely listen to the Word, so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everything we're about here, from worship to Sunday school classes to Bible studies, is to make sure you get into the Word but just as important, you got to make sure the Word gets into you. So Judas's problem was not information. It was transformation. He didn't love Jesus. And, and if you don't do what the Word of God says, then you are deceiving yourself. Now, let's be clear. Judas is not a hypocrite. He was an unbeliever. I'm sure for the disciples, this was a stunning moment. They're soon going to realize who Judas truly is. He was a leader. He, he, He was a part of our small group Bible studies. Judas works for Satan? Yes. Now, it's up to Jesus how to sort all of this out. In the meantime, our job is to love everyone as Jesus did. Number two... Your heart follows your wallet. Judas is the CFO. He is the bookkeeper for Jesus' ministry. The entire time the Bible tells us he has been stealing from that ministry account, and Jesus knows this. Yet Judas is not the only one. So let me ask how much have you stolen from Jesus? How much of what belongs to him have you kept for yourself? You see, Judas's problem is that he saw this as his money, not Jesus' money. And as a result, he took what belonged to Jesus. You and I are prone to the same thing. We need to be very careful that when we look at Judas, we don't say, thank you that I'm not like him. Jesus gave a parable where somebody said that. That was that person's problem. So in this story, there's Judas and there's Jesus. And usually in stories in the Bible, we've got to find out which one we are. Well, let me tell you, you're never Jesus. <laughs> if you ever read a story and you say, man, Jesus reminds me of me. You've read it wrong. <laughs> Jesus says it this way. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some people say, as soon as I get my heart right, well, then I'll get my money right. Jesus says, actually, get your money right, then your heart will follow. Because it's a lot easier to straighten out your finances than it is your heart. But one way to straighten out your heart is to first get your finances straightened out. Judas was not a giver. He was a taker. And if God can get you to give, then He can get you to forgive. Giving will transform you. Judas was not transformed in part because he was not a giver. Number three, you cannot lose your salvation, but you can fake it. There's this debate in churches, did Judas lose his salvation? No, he just faked it. He never had it. Are some of you like that? Judas went to church. You're in church. Judas would have learned the Bible. You're hearing the Bible. Judas would have been in a relationship with godly people. You're in a relationship with godly people. My job is not to judge. But the Apostle Paul tells the Corinthians to judge themselves. So put yourself on trial and ask yourself, do I love the Lord Jesus or am I just faking it? Judas faked it for three years. And number four, the most important day of your life is your last day. Judas had some great days. Judas saw Jesus turn the water into wine. He saw Jesus feed thousands with a little boy's lunch. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw Jesus heal people without a copay or deductible. He had many great days, but the worst day of his life was his last day the most important day of your life is the last day because that day launches you into eternity are you ready for the last day I know this life seems long but in a million years it won't seem that long the two lessons from Jesus to this point Number one, love is always an action. Yeah, it should be what you feel, but it's always what you do. How do we know that Jesus loved him? Well, what did it say, what we read? Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. That includes Judas. Jesus served them. Love is what you do. We live in a world where a guy would say, I love Oreos, the Gators, and my wife. Not necessarily in that order. Is that really love? Love is what you do to care for, to build up, to want the best for the one you love. Here's what Jesus does. He serves them. And today, he still serves people. Jesus fed them. He's been feeding you. Jesus cared for them. He's been caring for you. Jesus provided for them. He's been providing for you. Even if you're an unbeliever. Like in this story, Judas is an unbeliever, but Jesus has loved and served all. Jesus is good. And He loves and serves all, but it doesn't mean that everything is okay between you and Jesus. But Jesus always has an invitation for your heart change. And number two, Jesus does what no one else will do. In Philippians 2, it talks about Jesus' humility. That He lived in glory. He is eternal God. He is seated on a throne, surrounded by, served by angels. Jesus gets off that throne, comes down to earth. That's humility. And at a dinner with his disciples, he gets off of his seat. He gets on his knees to serve. He does what no one else does. In that culture, the way it worked is that you wouldn't choose a school to attend. You would choose a teacher to learn under. And if that teacher accepted you, you would be brought in into a mentoring relationship with that teacher. Jesus has that kind of relationship with his 12 disciples. The student's job was to serve the master, and they would do any task as they're learning, except for one and that's wash the feet, because that was a job reserved for the slave. Jesus came from heaven to earth he goes from his seat to the floor to serve to wash dirt off the people he created to worship him and he washes the feet of Judas Judas Iscariot no one could conceive of a humble loving serving God no one could conceive of a God who would not only make the earth put humanity on it but then have that humanity betray him And then walking, not being carried like a king. Walking to host a dinner, to train people who are too proud to do for Jesus what he's willing to do for them. And even washes the feet of his betraying enemy. I have good news for you. Jesus is still serving people. Jesus is still loving his enemies, inviting them to be his friends. The Bible says that we are by nature objects of wrath. We are by nature enemies of God. Because we're all sinners, we start at the same position as Judas Iscariot, as enemies of God. And then God is willing to take enemies and make them family. That's how wonderful Jesus is. Well, the story continues, and that is that Jesus makes you clean. Jesus came to Simon Peter, so now he's he's washing the disciples' feet. He comes to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Some of you might be like Simon Peter. You don't have an inner voice. All you have is this unfiltered outer voice. Whatever you think just comes out. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Well, how many of you are like Simon Peter? You get it right at about the 17th try. You don't know what I'm doing, but you will. No, said Peter. You shall never wash my feet. Well, you can't be humble if you're too proud to be served. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus is very clear. You either have a part with me or you're a part from me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Uh, okay, Jesus, you can serve me, but let me dictate to you the terms of your service. The good news is there's hope for Peter, which means there's hope for all of us. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. So in closing, let me give you three lessons from Peter. And this, this first one is really going to compare Peter with Judas. Peter is overt. Judas is covert. Peter, you always know what he's thinking. Judas, you never know what he's thinking. Peter, you always know what he's doing. Judas, you never know what he's doing. How many of you are like Judas? You're covert. If, if you would have gone to the disciples at this point and said, Okay, someone's going to betray Jesus. Who would they guess? Maybe Peter. He's kind of mouthy. Judas, to this point, hasn't really said anything. Hasn't really done anything. He's covert. He leads a secret life. And if you won't come clean, you need to be caught. That's Judas. There's hope for those who are overt like Peter more than there is hope for those who are covert like Judas. Judas. Things are gonna work out okay for Peter because he's like, here's who I am, here's what I'm doing, here's what I'm thinking. We can work with that. Judas, you will not know who I am. You will not know what I'm thinking, you're not you're not gonna know what I'm up to. That's sneaky and dishonest. Number two, the want to precedes the how-to. Jesus says, I'll make you clean. Peter says, I want to be clean, but he doesn't know how. He doesn't know how to let Jesus in and work on him. Some of you people have told you, you need to do this. You need to stop doing that. They've given you the how to, but here's the problem. If you don't want to, you see the want to precedes the how to. How to. If someone were to say to me, okay, I'm supposed to love my wife. Well, I can give you 75 things to do to love your wife. But if you don't want to, no amount of how-to is going to make a difference. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your deepest desires are the desires of God. The desires of God will fight against those lesser desires that the Bible calls temptations. But if you want to love God, if you want to learn the Bible, if you want to forgive people, if you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to live obedient to God, God will teach you how to. You just need to check your heart as to whether or not you want to. And number three, our human default is to try to make ourselves clean. Jesus says to Peter and the other other disciples, I will make you clean. Peter says, that's okay, I'll make myself clean. That's what we call religion. Religion is man's way of cleaning ourselves up. Now different religions have different procedures. Reincarnation, pay off your karmic debt, get a prayer mat and pray three times a day, go to a sacred place, give a certain amount of money, wear the sacred underwear It's all the same. It's still me trying to clean up me. Here's what Jesus says. I will make you clean. And without letting Jesus make you clean, God's people are stuck in condemnation, shame, and guilt. Some of you feel guilty. Some of you feel like damaged goods. Some of you feel guilty and ashamed for one of two reasons. Either what you did is bad or what someone else did to you is bad. And as a result, you've been trying to clean up your own life and you've not allowed Jesus in to clean up your life. That's Peter's problem. I'll fix me. Jesus says, no, that's why I'm here. You need me. I have really good news for you. Jesus not only forgives sin, He cleanses from unrighteousness. You see, God wants that old identity off of you. He wants that burden off of you. He wants that condemnation, shame, and guilt taken from you. Elsewhere, this same author says in 1 John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's the deal. Whatever you've done, you admit it, you come clean to Jesus, He will forgive you. Jesus Christ is God. He's lived the life that you have not lived, the perfect life that any of us could. And then he died on the cross, the death that you should have died for your sins. He came to humble himself. He came to serve you. He forgives you. When Jesus prays from the cross, Father, forgive them, he then dies to answer that prayer. Jesus dies in your place for your sins, and if you believe in Jesus, you are forgiven. If you belong to Jesus Christ, you are forgiven and clean. So you can have a clean relationship with God. You can have a clean relationship with your spouse. You can have a clean relationship with your past. Because who you were is not who you are now in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.